When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester. And Av, maybe you're just not my physical type. And I'm Av Sinensky, and my favorite episode of Seinfeld is The Gum. <laughs> Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here today to discuss Season 9, Episode 2, The Pickle Gambit, which originally aired on October 8th, 2017. I actually looked up on my Google Calendar. Uh, I was at the home of our mutual friend, Akiba Wienerker, uh, that day watching football. And then uh, we then recorded a podcast live at the middle of the night, our time, like primetime curb for you. And then I watched curb the next morning when I got home, like, you know, early in the morning, uh, late at night, uh, New York time. So I did not get to watch this one live. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. You got to watch it live this time. What do you mean? Live concurrent with the release of the podcast. I'm confused. <laughs> what? <laughs> You watch. You always you watch. Um, Cur, the the weekly curve always like live in the first available slot. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes. After yes. Actually, this um, week I did not do it in the first available slot. This week I I gave myself some delayed gratification because I knew that like if I see it right away, then I'm not fresh and I'm not doing as many rewatches for season nine as I am for like the season eleven episodes, which are new. Um, right. Yeah. But listen, let's uh, let's jump into this one. I, I I like this one a lot. You know, it's interesting. We get less Jeff and Cheryl than possibly any other episode of the series. We have literally no Susie at all. Yeah. Yeah, this but, is a, just a big Larry and Leon episode. Yeah, well, that's the um, thing. When you take out Jeff and Cheryl and Susie, that means you get a lot of Leon. So, exciting. Yeah, so it's kind of a referendum on Leon. Mm. Uh, have you ever seen a titty? Um, I have. <laughs> not not a ton. What question is that? You know. Yeah. Well, it's a young boy. Yeah. Um. um He's a, so what is he? He's a junior in high school, I guess. He's about to take the SATs. Um, yeah, that sounds yeah, right. That's a fair question at that age. This kid has yeah, no time. I mean, he's so if, busy. I mean, if he's an all-American uh, athlete, chances are he's doing better than most. I'm not um, saying that that but people still aren't interested in him, but he's running six clubs and he's, you know, he's, he's so right, busy. Right, right, right. He's too right, he's too when, busy. Who has the time? Who has the time? I think that's the purpose. That's what of I always had. Question. Yeah. <laughs> I also never just like never had the time. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. The only reason I wasn't rolling in women in high school is a lack of time. <laughs> I was just too busy. You know, <laughs> I all mean, those, yeah. you know, v- video games had to be played. Movies had to be watched. Yeah. Books had to be read. There was just no time for those Sub- sorts of gratification because of the lack of available women. <laughs> there was a lot. Of <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. um, on that note. All right. Should we engage in the pickle gambits? <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. All right. Season nine, episode two, the pickle gambits.
And we start out in Larry's hotel, uh, where Larry's been hiding out. And Larry is uh, writing a letter to the Ayatollah as he sits in his hotel room when he hears a knock on the door. Uh, he's startled at first, but Leon shouts that it's him. So Larry opens it up and lets Jeff and Leon come on in. Um, and Jeff's like, what are you doing? Like... Why are you in this hotel? Or he's like, well, you know, I'm just like trying to be safe. And he's like, you know, like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, Leon's like, yeah, you mean you, you can't hide from the Ayatollah. If he wants to kill you, he's going to kill you. These motherfuckers want you. They're going to come. They're going to get you. They're going to cut your hands off. They're going to cut your feet off. They're going to put your feet in your back pockets, put your hands in your front pockets, and then carry your ass out of here like a piece of fucking luggage. It, I, what is Leon's source for this form of uh, terroristic activity? <laughs> Because it's highly specific. <laughs> yeah, Leon has. Uh, do you think that Leon was on which which side was he on in this uh, thing that he witnessed? Yeah, um, you know, our mutual friend Noam. The first time I met him was at, at camp. We were we were going to be co counselors, and like the first hour of the first day, there was like an icebreaker for all like the counselors, all our staff people, and um, they're like, "We're going to go around the game. We're going to run the room and introduce ourselves." And Noam says. Can we introduce ourselves and also say how we would commit murder if we needed to murder someone? <laughs> like, well, that's an interesting way to introduce yourself. Um, yeah, he had, really that, good that's one, interesting... he had one line. Yeah, that, I guess he does. If he's well, asking. yeah, I mean, yeah. when you're the one who introduces the game, yeah. he said he would stab someone to death with an icicle because then it melts and there's no murder weapon. Wow. Okay. I mean, that's very specific and someone who's put a lot of thought into this question. So watch out for him. Friends of Noam. Yeah, (laughs) I guess so. I don't think he's killed yet. Um, All right. Yeah. So how would you know? It sounds like he has. He knows how to like (laughs) hide the the murder weapon very easily. (laughs) Yeah. That was an ignorant statement of mine. Yeah. Um, So Jeff's like, come on. Like the FBI says you're safe. Like, come on, come home. And Larry is like, no, like, I got to sell the house. And it's like, no, 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 you can't sell the house. Like, all of my ladies already know where I live there. Like, if you sell this house, that's going to, like, set me back two years of, like, my whole operation over there. Can't have that. I don't don't understand that part. His ladies, like, he can't just text them the new address. (laughs) Well, maybe he just, like, he has them on a schedule. They know to come. So they're coming, like, unsolicited. It's not like he has to text them. (laughs) We're just Um, there. I, you know what? I, I have a feeling that like Leon has something going on that kind of is like not bound by the constraints of like time, space, and location, like the yeah. way that we think of it. Yeah. So it's just kind of like he needs to be in a place where people can come and go. And <laughs> it's like a whole to do to like, he can't just like send out an email blast, like yeah. get word around. It's like there's just like people that are kind of like on a need to know basis and yeah. they're just like stopping by from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what's going on. Yeah. Or at least that's what Leon thinks is going on. We we always need to um, you know keep that in mind. And Leon is uh, he certainly know how knows how to uh, spin a yarn. Yes. Um. Okay. So um, Larry agrees that fine. I'll go back to living my life. Uh, but first, he needs two minutes to put on his uh, now uh, what's becoming his regular disguise. Two weeks in a row, we get uh, Larry with the uh, fake glasses and the, I I really like this look. It's a fun uh, it's a fun Larry David. Uh, GIF that I've uh, used, and uh, yeah, it's a good, it's just like a, it's a nice image. Like you could see Larry behind it, but it's just like I don't know. I like it. Okay. Um. So he's uh, waiting for the elevator, and he starts uh, striking up conversation with a woman, mm. and he tells her, you know, 
it's really interesting how you're dressed. Like, why is it that people in your profession, um, you always have to just like dress so like seedy, like, you know, you should really be going for more of a wholesome look, um, you know, like you should be more like a dentist. Like they don't like wear their smocks around when they're like outside their offices, which I actually take issue with because I actually say that I specifically always note that like dentists and often doctors, like they always like, are like specifically wearing their scrubs like in social situations mm. in my in my opinion because like they want to be like oh I'm so busy I'm like I'm coming straight from the hospital I have you know time to all right let, let, let's Kirby's antics uh, opinions here on this podcast <laughs> scrub 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 I'm yeah. always have to be in scrubs because I'm working so hard yeah um, you could put on clothes <laughs> um, so yeah so I do think that dentists do that but yeah I, point taken nonetheless uh, Larry but uh, he's like you know you should do the same like you should you should like save like the hooker get up for your appointments like mm-hmm. uh, it's like you know how about you go and like you pick up a dress from Fifth Saks Fifth Avenue and you know something like elegant and she's like well that sounds great but like I can't even afford a, like one dress and she's like you know you go out and you get one dress and then in six months, you'll be able to afford a whole bunch of dresses. Um, and he's just like, you know, you know, so what, so what just just so here. we can like actually talk through Larry's proposal. So Larry's plan is that she will attract a more well-to-do crowd. And so she'll be able to charge more for her services. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, how does she get the word out? Because I assume that the purpose of the uniform is to let people know. Yeah. Same way that the convenience store has a sign that says convenience store. They don't have like a fancy, you know, uh, you know, I don't know what the equivalent of a Saks Fifth Avenue, uh, uh, you know, yard uh, store sign is. Yeah. Because, yeah, uh, like all the things that he wants her to ditch, you know, the uh, the leather prints, the tits, the fishnets, you know, all those gone. Like, yeah, those are, yeah, those are um, like the, you know the marketing yeah now i i, I will things. say larry's ability to convince strangers of things without any proof of expertise always just <laughs> but yeah, i mean yet again like, he's, he's a much professional less, advice that actually works he's a much less qualified nathan for you yeah it's like <laughs> he, here's like, how to run your business i know that i'm saying this based on nothing other than intuition yeah who do you like more paula the hooker or monina uh monina is much more fun yeah she's got a red snapper that'll talk to you <laughs> she sure does <laughs> yeah um yeah i, I think monina was definitely i mean i have nothing against paula she seems like a great gal but um yeah i miss monina oh paula is great like she's you know she's, she's very game good. like yeah she, she meets this lovely guy he like gives her tips and she's like you know what that actually makes sense i'm gonna like change my whole approach to my career and it goes well for her so like good for her uh so we'll see you later um so yeah so we're, we're back down to now to the, the hotel lobby and he goes up and he tells uh, Jim Rash, the dean, that he's checking out. And I'm leaving room 1003. And he asks him for his name. And Larry tells him his name is Buck Naked. I mean, oh. Buck, Dan- Buck Dancer. <laughs> uh, and he suggests to the re- receptionist uh, to not tuck the sheets in too tightly next time. Um, so that's he wants zero tucks. Mm. Uh, and he says, oh, but those cookies over there, those are for guests, yes. Uh, so yeah, has he not, that. he hasn't been in the lobby the whole time. Yeah, He's all his yeah I guess. Upstairs. I guess, yeah, he hasn't noticed the cookie platters. Yeah. Um, so he he walks over to the buffet, <clears throat> helps himself to some cookies, um, and the, uh, the dean comes over to him. He's like, mm. excuse me, I noticed that when you took some cookies, you didn't use the tongs. Yeah. Which I, I would argue is probably the single craziest thing that anyone has ever done on this show. Not using like, the tongs? 
No, like the guy like running oh. over, like yelling at a yeah, hotel yeah. guest that like you didn't use the time. But hold on, that, uh, in a post COVID world, you can absolutely see that happening. Fine, maybe, but like I at mean, the time, the, the, it, the it, issue it, is this is insane behavior. And and this is just classic Larry, like always, like not giving the right explanation. Like Larry should have, I, I his fo- his sole answer should not be criticizing the tongs because of the permanent. He should just say, I very carefully touched my cookie and no other cookie, which he made a point of doing. But again, you know, he never gives like the the actual logical explanation for his behavior that would get. Well, that is that is kind of like the underlying point of what he's saying is that like tongs are stupid, like I'm able to take the cookie. It's fine. Yeah, but I I feel like he doesn't give the best defense of himself, like always. Do you know that like there's this this whole thing in like the Talmud, I think that like tongs was like one of the only things that like had to be like created before the existence of the world or something, because like you need tongs to make tongs. Is that true? You, is it true? I don't know. <laughs> Do you, but you never heard this thing? I have not heard that yet before. Teach me, Rabbi Sinensky. Oh, oh I, I mean, that's the general thing. Let's see. I'll try to look it up. Um, talk, talk about something else. I don't know. No, I'm Googling it. Talmud, you need tongs to make tongs. Oh, according to the Jewish text, Pirkei Avot, the original tongs were created by God on the twilight of the first Sabbath Eve. There you go. Because human, because human blacksmiths couldn't make tongs without already having having a pair of tongs. Like everything, like everything God made, tongs were pure and good. This is true. This is true. <laughs> if you if you say if you say this is true at the end of something, that means that, that it's true. I mean, I'm reading this from an L.A. magazine article called no, A Treatise that's... on Courtesy Tongs and Why They Need to Be Banned. They may seem innocuous. Boy, they are not. So this guy, this might be written by Larry David under a false name, but it starts first. A brief history of tongs. And then they go into what I just said about the Jewish. Uh, oh, there's more. When sin entered the world, though, God's original intent for tongs, i.e. making more tongs, was perverted. And the tool was put. Oh, I see. This is this guy's editorializing. I got it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. What I, I, I was right about what I said about tongs. Mm-hmm. Um, in the sense that I was referencing something that somebody else said, which may or may not be true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So he gets yelled at about the the tongues. Um, Larry doesn't like that they also cause the cookie to crumble. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I guess on the cookie you know, depends it, on the tongs. It depends on the cookie, right? Co- yeah. Both 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 are variables. But yeah. So it could happen. It could happen. If you don't have a good set of tongs, you have like a you know a particularly crumbly cookie. Uh, a good solid cookie is going to be fine. Um, he's like, all right, going forward, please use the tongs. Um, so Larry's like, all right, and he takes the tongs to go pick up uh, a second cookie, and he's, and he's like, hey, like by the way, like receptionist, like are you in charge of the cookies? And he's like, well, you know, I kind of just like, oversee this whole lobby area, which includes uh, the section where the cookies are, and um he's like oh but like cookies aren't like specifically part of your jurisdiction and like they get yeah. into, they, you know they get into an argument about you know whether it's covered or not um yeah you know there's like federalism cases on both sides I mean, you know, yeah. it's complicated um and then larry is like by the way like you said the pastry chef made these cookies <laughs> he's like yes of course the pastry chef he absolutely made them he's like yeah i think these are pepperidge farm yeah and which which the, which the, are the, not on their own stand on the end of the aisle uh, no, Pepperidge Farm. Yeah, yeah they, should, the they should have their own. Yeah, they're in the aisle, but they should also they should have their own uh, display. Section? Yeah, Pepperidge okay. Farms are great. Great yeah. cookies. But you like them more than Entenmann's? Should we do a Pepperidge Farm uh, a bracket tournament? I've I've been pushing that this whole or you there should be a cookie bracket. It should be like one bracket, one section. But cookie is so Oreos. hard to define. It's like 
just to find it like this. Instead of Oreos, you just do one section is Oreos, one section Pepperidge Farm, one section like chocolate chip. Oreos like, gets random, an entire then, quarter of the bracket. Yeah, why not? You're gonna do you're gonna do a whole bracket thing. of well, I was going to. Yeah. You're about to do an, an entire bracket of just. Okay, Oreos. we'll do now an entire like, bracket of Oreos for the purpose of deciding who gets the Oreo spot in the overall cookie bracket. So this will be a, a 32 team bracket for one play in basically. And then you have to do one for every brand. No, no, because I, I feel like you can have more than one Pepperidge farm, right? Yeah, I think but Oreos, like Oreos are there's all a, the exact a, same cookie with just a slightly different like flavor inside. They don't have yeah, like, no Pepperidge yeah. farm. Pepperidge farm could easily be its own. Yeah, vodka. for sure. Edmonds really doesn't need to be. It's got the soft chocolate chip, but that's really all, all, all it needs in that tournament. Yeah, Pepperidge farm. I love the I love those Milanos. Okay. Um, and then just like all of their just like ch- like chocolate chunk cookies, like yeah, there's like there's chocolate, there's salt, like there's like their yeah. salt cookies are like good, but like they're like hard chunky cookies are amazing. Oh no 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 no, the soft cookies are better. A soft cookie always beats a hard a hard cookie. I don't know. I feel like theirs are just like they're so crunchy. Mm. Okay. Um. No, they make a good cookie. Yeah, they good. Yeah. They yeah. do a good job. I mean, I think uh, we've discussed this on Curb before, but I think there's a couple of flavors of um, of Girl Scout cookies that also have to be on that list. In, the, in, bracket. The, in, in the bracket, I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I did a podcast yeah. with Allie Lasher recently. She was anti all the flavors, it sounded like. All the flavors of Girl Scout cookies. It sounded like that. Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, I don't. I think there are. I don't love all of them, but there's a few that are good. There's yeah. a, there's too many with coconut. Um, and then like I don't like mint, so like that's like one of their main oh, ones. You don't love mint. mints. That's a terrible decision. I don't love it. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's bad. Do you also um, dislike avocado? No, I like avocado. Oh. You're not one of the people who. Oh no, that, that's um that's cilantro. For my father-in-law, I think for one in six people, cilantro tastes like a detergent or soap. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. Which is also um, unfortunate. Yeah, I have no. It's by far, it's I by have far no the best. I, I yeah, I don't have any issue with cilantro. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. All right. I don't have yeah. I don't have a particular. Uh, I feel like mint is the avocado it, yeah. of the dessert world. Uh okay. <laughs> they're, they're both green. It. They both make everything better, but there's some people who just dislike them. Yeah, I don't like mint at all. Yeah. Okay. I am a like I can't. I um, brush my teeth with like the same toothpaste that my kids use because like have I have taste. like this. I have like this aversion. Like I cough from it. Like I have this like, aversion to like the mint flavor. So. I like I went to my dentist and I was like, oh, is there some special toothpaste? I could use? He's like, nah, just use kids toothpaste. <laughs> like, they, like they have like cherry, bubble gum, whatever. Yeah. So like we just we, when we go on vacation, like we take two toothpaste, one for my wife and one for me. And the kids. Yeah. yeah. Why does your wife just give in and, and, and use the fun one? <laughs> yeah, she likes the mints. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I got like SpongeBob. What's, what's your position on mouthwash? Moana mouthwash. Um, I I don't I try to avoid the mints like they have other flavors like they have like you know like the like the all crystal mints. or the, the whatever blue mints and the green mints the peppermints and like all the anything yeah like, no anything I avoid all the like. mints okay yeah I I mean it could be very light and gum um, I assume the same I don't really chew gum in general the only time I chew gum really is like when I go on an airplane like like for landing it like helps with my my ears <laughs> that's the only time that I really chew gum in my life yeah. Am I crazy or is that not a lot of gum chewing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I said it was my favorite episode of Seinfeld, but it's definitely not my favorite uh, food. Or... Oh, is it actually your favorite episode? Even... Yeah. Why oh. else would I say that? Uh, I don't know. A joke. 
Well, the, uh, the, the one they say in the episode is the puffy shirt. Yeah, but which is a very random choice. Okay, so is the gum. But but you're but you're saying the gum is your actual choice, right? Yeah, I said mine. The Ayatollah says his. I say mine. That's, it's not the Ayatollah. Yeah. It's it's the council. We'll oh, get to that. Somebody's yeah. fighting. Oh, yeah, look okay. at Av Sinetsky has the gum number one. You weren't lying. Yeah, I mean, I, I was not lying. Yeah. Uh, Where do I have the puffy shirt? Puffy shirt, by the right, way. We'll get to puff. We'll I do not we'll have the council's shirt. rankings here. Oh, okay. But I do have the rankings. Oh, well, it's not the council's rankings. I, oh, the council's favorite is the is the raincoats. I thought the council. Oh, it's the Ayatollah he's talking about. All right, we'll get to, we'll get there. We'll get there. All why, right, okay. why don't we? Yeah. So I, I'm looking at off? I'm looking at the wait. Whose document is this? Someone sent me. <laughs> so, someone sent me a Seinfeld list. Their initials are MK because on my overall chart their name is MK. But MK links like I don't have each person's full name in the in the column because it would make it too wide. So I just have initials and it links to a Google document that shows me his rankings. But the title of the document is Seinfeld rankings, and it's like my rankings, but I don't know who the my is. So it's a very detailed chart. There's different colors and grades and but uh, commentary. There's a bonus point. There's like a mathematical formula. Shrinkage gets 0.5 points. Um, David Letterman cameo gets 0.25 points in the abstinence. Um, but I don't know whose this is. So if you're listening to this and this is you and your initials are MK, <laughs> please let me know. And put your name in your Google document title. Say MK's sign, uh, sample episode rankings. All right. So anyway, so yeah. MK has the puffy shirt number one. Okay. Maybe so it stands for, for um, major <laughs> council. I don't know. Oh no, M. What Khomeini? What's his no. first name? <laughs> oh yeah, because you're saying it's the Ayatollah. Okay. Um, yeah. Is it possible that it's it's M. Khomeini and he sent me his rankings? <laughs> so he was because he figured you would need that because you would want to be like we he, he would feel like Chester's not going to include the Ayatollah's rankings yeah. unless he gives me his hall rankings. Yeah. I don't want to just like your favorite episode. I'm not now, putting that in. What's an episode that the Ayatollah would really dislike? Not being such a fan of the Jews. Um, I mean, he'd probably be a big fan of the soup Nazi. He'd be like, that okay. guy's great. <laughs> Let's see. Soup Nazi, MK rank, soup Nazi, five overall. Although so do most people. So that's not. Such a, that's yeah, not such a he probably also loves what like the Pakistani guy gets. Uh, right. Oh, Iran is not against Pakistan. Are they? I don't even know. I can't keep track. Yeah. Oh, India and Pakistan, not Iran and Pakistan. Yeah. Um, all right. So maybe he has no opinion on Babu. <laughs> we, don't, <laughs> we don't need to make generalizations based on into foreign right. relations of countries. Okay. Well, it's the Ayatollah, so I guess we could make assumptions yeah. of, of, his, of his based on the foreign policy of countries. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, so you said you were saying before how like it's one of the craziest things, like when Jim Rash, uh, the dean, as you called him, uh, hotel man, when he like, you know, goes over to yell at Larry about, about the, the cookies. But to me, the part that really is insane is what ins- the initial moment to say, hey, listen, for hygienic reasons, you know, please don't use the tongs or please use the tongs. That's fine to me. What blows my mind is what incentive does he have to continue to argue with Larry, who's leaving the hotel now anyways? This isn't an existing guest you're going to have to interact with again. Presumably, you're not going to see him again. So who gives a shit? Um, um, yeah, I mean, he's very argumentative for no reason. Yeah. That's certainly the case. Yeah. I mean, but like, is he at the level like As- Asif Manvi as-, as elevator guy? I think he's still worse. <laughs> um, well, we'll see. He'll, he'll like, proceed. He, there was no like. At least this guy is in a somewhat of a position of you know. He's starting from a position right. of of normalcy at first. He's like, this is my job. Elevator guy was right. immediately insane. Right. Who was it? When was it? When they they go to a movie and like um somebody tells him that like he can't bring food in or something and like he just assumed that she worked there and then she finally finds yeah, yeah, out yeah. it was just like a person. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember which one that yeah, was? Yeah, she's the same one in the bathroom. 
at, at the ABC at the ABC guys party. She's the one who snitches that Larry's the one who went up and cut the hair of, of that's in the doll. So it's season two. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Um, okay, so we head back home. Larry's checking the doors, um, telling Leon not to use any of them. He's still very nervous. Uh, Leon's like, come on, you're overreacting. Um, and Leon tells him that he's got to fix the chimney or else Santa Claus comes sliding down and coming to get him. Yeah. <laughs> Larry's like, what is that that you're holding your hand? And like, Leon's like, oh, I'm just eating some of my beef sticks. Um, and Larry's like, why are you eating that crap? That's bad for you. And he's like, what do you mean? He's got great ingredients. They have brown sugar. I love anything with brown sugar. Uh, what, are your, I, what are your thoughts on, black, on uh, brown sugar? It's, I mean, it's clearly better than white sugar, right? That's not really um, I mean, available, I, is it? I mean, I don't really know. I mean, I really like brown sugar in the things that I have it in. But, like, there's a reason why, like, sugar is used in things, probably. It's not just, like, cost, like... You, like I don't, I don't think that like every recipe that calls for sugar would then just be better if you substituted brown sugar for it. Sure, but I'll, here's the analogy I'll make: white sugar is the brown sugar, as canola oil, like cooking oil, is the olive oil. Like, yes, there's some right. circumstances where you want to use the first one first for like broader purposes, not just because of right. cost, but it's but the other one is clearly better. Yeah, no, brown sugar has is much tastier. Yeah. Like it has like an actual flavor to it. Yeah, like when yeah, when you're doing recipes, like there's there's yeah. so many recipes that I use brown sugar for meat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. a little in like you're rubs not, and stuff. You're not putting white sugar on meat ever. Yeah. No, you wouldn't do that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, so it's not just limited to dessert. The white sugar is really limited to dessert. <laughs> yeah. So Here's yeah, my question. I mean, so I, I'm trying to think of what I like use a lot of white sugar in. Okay. So I make my own cranberry sauce. I'm very anti the canned cranberry sauce. Okay. How often are you having cranberry sauce? I mean, I'm probably only making it like twice a year, like Thanksgiving and one other time. But I, ha- I happen to also really like cranberry sauce. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I was just at a wedding tonight. One of my go-tos at a wedding at, at the Schmorg is I go to the carving station and I get turkey and cranberry sauce. Everyone else is like fighting over like the pastrami. Or whatever. <laughs> right. I'm zagging when everyone else. Now I do take pastrami and mustard also. I actually like to have both on the same plate. So you have like the turkey and the, and the cranberry, which is sweet. And then you have the corned beef and the mustard, which is like, you know, savory. I do. I do do that also, but I always, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I've never been like a huge turkey fan. So like I, the turkey for me has always been like primarily a like cranberry sauce delivery. Yeah, I mean, thing. turkey is too dry without cranberry sauce. I like it, but I will. Yeah, it. it's, it's like a cracker. You're not going to eat a cracker without a dip. Yeah. And like so the white meat turkey to me is like just like especially inedible. Oh, see that? That's what I'm like I could tell. It's like a cracker. Oh, right? yeah. No, I, yeah, I could only eat a dark meat of, mm. uh, of turkey. Mm. Like I won't even bother with white meat. Yeah, with white meat I think turkey. Leon would agree with you. Uh, yeah, I prefer uh, likely I prefer anything brown over anything white. Mm. Yeah. Um, okay, so they go to check the door and it's the funk man and he mm. brought along his nephew Kenny. Did you have this sort of uh, and- bittersweet feeling of seeing the funk man? Because the last thing I had seen him in was the documentary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely exciting to see him, you know, uh alive and full of vigor. Yeah. Uh we, we still got a lot more to go with him in our lives, uh chronologically here at mm. least. Thank God. Um, yeah. So he's got nephew Kenny and he's talking about how amazing his nephew Kenny is and all his accomplishments. Uh, he's the head of six clubs. He's an all American pitcher. And if he nails at SATs, he's going to get a full ride scholarship to, to Stanford. We're so proud of him. Mm, yes. Uh, and Leon's like, I don't mean to be a hater, but no one could do all that shit. In one day. <laughs> 
And Kenny's like, what do you mean? I just like I work really hard. And I mean, there are like, people no, like no, this in high school. Yeah, for there's sure. people. Yeah, we were not one of them, but there are people like that. Yeah, no, there are like super high achievers. Yeah, there's always people like that. Yeah, every yeah. every school. I mean, it's not always the case that like the smartest kid is also like the jock. Like that's not the norm. Yeah. Um, but like there's always like multiple Kenny isn't the smartest kid. Kenny's like the hardest working kid. I mean, he's smart. Um, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But yeah, like, all right. Fine. Yeah. Like there's some kid in the chemistry lab who's, you know, got a higher GPA. Yeah, but like the fact that he's like the best athlete in the yes. school, presumably. Yeah. He's Archie and, Andrews. He's got the red hair. Right. Right. And also like a you know, good smart kid, if not mm. the valedictorian. Yeah. Uh, it's a, a pretty good combo. By the way, Archie, if he broke his arm, would not need to resort to a, a, a uh, professional. I think that he would have two options. <laughs> he would have multiple. Yeah, maybe even Cheryl Blossom. Yeah. But I'm saying so she gets minimum involved. two. Yeah. Minimum of two. Minimum yes. of two. They would be they would be fighting over the opportunity to yes. help him with his uh, mm-hmm. with his what ails him. Although what he pines for secretly is Reggie, but um, right. Um, so yeah, so he's like, he's like, no, no one's Forrest Gump. And he's like, I'm not running around the country. And Leon's like, have you ever seen a titty? And uh, it's like, what kind of question is that? Like, you know, calls the whole thing off. Yeah. Um, I mean, so what, what, what did Marty think was going to happen when he's bringing this kid over to uh, Larry? <laughs> right. House? Around to, ha- to hang out with Leon. Yeah. Yeah. How do you think this is going to go? <laughs> um, so, yeah. So Larry's like, thanks for stopping by. You know, but, you know, it was great. Uh, but actually, like, Leon and I were about to, like, sit down and have some dinner. Uh, but Fuckman's like, sounds great. I would love for I would love a sandwich. Kenny's like, great. I well, hold on a second. Can we pause yeah. there? My recollection, they don't say we're about to sit down to dinner. It's that Leon says he's going to go make himself a sandwich. Okay. And then and then Marty's like, yeah, I want a sandwich. And then this kid is like, <laughs> yeah, I want a sandwich, too. And it's and he says it is a little presumptuous, I feel like. Oh, no, I agree. No, but I, I do think that Larry was saying like, OK, like you like Larry was like trying to be like, OK, like time for you guys to go. Like yeah. we're going to go have dinner. I'm actually uh, the opposite of this Kenny Funkhauser. Whenever people offer me food or drink. I always say no. I'm like, oh, no, thank you. And I always want it. And then I always sit there <laughs> thinking, like, why did I say no? Like, I'm, I'm just so mad at myself. So if you ever have uh, me yeah, over say, and I say no, say, yes. say no, you should have some push me because uh, for some reason I'm, I'm afraid to say yes. But just say yes because food is delicious, and then you yeah. have to eat it. Yeah. If you say no, they're not going to give it to you. It's like it's like yes, a synagogue. Uh, there's a tradition that when you're asked to like lead services, that you're supposed to say no twice, and then only upon the third time they they ask you, you say yes to show like I don't know, is it modesty or whatever the hell it is? But like it's officially what you're supposed to do. But if you really want to, if you really want to lead services, and somebody asks you and you say no, I'm not sure they're going to ask you three times. Um, no, they're probably asking you zero more times. So yeah, yeah, you should say yes because like they're like they're like looking for people to do it. Yeah, generally speaking, it's not like there's usually like a long line of volunteers. Yeah. So like, if you want to go for it, it depends on the on the synagogue, I guess. Yeah, I guess right. There's some places it's in demand. Yeah. Um, so right, yeah, let's so... move on from the synagogue hero to the pickle hero. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, so he's like, all right, there's a, we have a whole bunch of meat in the kitchen. Let's go make, make some sandwiches. And Larry just like can't believe that Kenny's actually a good picture because he's like he like he's like so small, like he looks like he can't even pick up a chess piece. Yeah. Which I mean, uh, is he familiar? Is he not familiar with, you know, many pictures who, you know, Greg Maddox looked like a, an accountant? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's right. It's not like he's like a linebacker. Yeah. And especially, by the way, in high school, it's not even necessary, like nobody's saying he's a professional level pitcher. He's just good at a high school level. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, he's like extremely good if he's like all American. But like even that is like, right. Nothing. Yeah, I've never known what all American means. It seems like sometimes there's like, yeah, too many all Americans. <laughs> I don't I don't know how official these. Uh, right. Yeah. Are. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, so Leon's making the sandwiches. Uh, everyone comes in and uh, Leon opens the, fr- the fridge and grabs a jar of pickles, but is, isn't able to open it. And Kenny asks, you know, oh, can I, you know, can I help? I'll open up the jar. And Kenny grabs a jar. He tries to open it. And then the fuck man, he tries to grab it from Kenny, uh, but he can't do it. So Larry gets in there. He also can't do it. And there's a struggle. And Kenny goes crashing into the counter. And he's like, oh, my God, my arm. And I cracked it. And um, fuck man's like, oh, my God, we got to take Kenny to the hospital to get his arm checked. And Larry's like, I'm so sorry. Like, and Marty's like, you should be sorry. It's your fault. Um, What's like, your what opinion on that? With? Um, it's no more Larry's fault than anyone's fault. Everyone was being like a yes. maniac, yes. <laughs> which like people have to get into this whole thing that like, the whole plot of this episode is. Well, hold on. Let's talk about that right now. Like, does this everyone wants to be a pickle jar hero story ring <laughs> true to you? Um, it it rings true to me. I'd like as someone who's like watched pop culture. Like it feels as like this is like yes like a, like a typical like masculine thing that like men would would behave this way, but at the same time like I would not could I have no desire to open pickle jars, uh, just because one needs is in need of being opened. But uh, even I've never like, seen anything like this. Happen. You, yeah, it's like I mean when we layer the scene at the hotel. It is insane. It is if it's like somebody's right. dropping like hundred dollar bills on the floor. Right. The whole the whole the hotel gets has to shut down because there's a pickle jar. Yeah. It's difficult. So it's, I mean, everyone needs to get it. Yeah. There's like a two percent of your wife will say to you once a week, like, "Hey, can you open this 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 jar for me or this can for me?" And you and you get to sort of pretend to feel like strong for like ten seconds. But like to the extent of like fighting other people, it it completely is incomprehensible to me. <laughs> you want to assassinate the president, just walk into the White House with a pickle jar. Yes, everyone, exactly. everyone will just come crumbling to their knees trying yes. to get this pickle jar. And, and it does have the unfortunate, um, um, you know, being the, the name of the episode and like a principal plot that'll come back repeatedly. So, yeah, yeah, that definitely, um, it, it, it definitely hurt it in my memory. When I thought of the episode, the only thing I remembered was this like ridiculous thing with the pickle jar from like the lobby at the end. Yeah. Um, so like, it, I definitely came in with low expectations for this episode just based on that. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, yeah. So, um, no, so, yeah, so they, they, they go over to, to head out to the hospital and I, as they leave, Larry's like, you know, I think there's actually a jar of pickles in the fridge that's already open. Yeah. And uh, Leon goes and checks. And he's like, oh, what do you know? Yeah. Which, by the way, if you have a jar that's open and a jar that's unopened, the unopened jar wouldn't be in the fridge. It'd be in the pantry. But whatever. Minor point here. Um, yeah. You know, if you're running a tight ship, not if it would run such a tight ship. Yeah. Okay. Do you how full do you think that fridge is usually? The Larry um, Leon fridge, knowing that Leon has his own fridge in, in his you know guest house. Yeah. I feel like Larry buys a lot of food that he doesn't end up eating. Okay, and so like he keeps like a he's like, he one goes, like, very skinny man. Yeah, but like he seems like the type that like he'll go and he'll be like, oh, I might want to have this, and like, oh, I, you know, I could come up with a scenario where I can do this, and like, oh, uh, oh, oh, that looks good, and like he buys like a ton of like vegetables, and you know, tons of like we, you know, he's into like his weird like organic things, like you know, he doesn't have any normal snacks. Um, yeah, but like, so, uh, yeah, yeah, think of your fridge now, and think of your fridge when you were single fifteen years ago. 
yeah, I wouldn't have needed such a big first. And, and think, but right. think, and think of if God forbid you got divorced and you were living solo, like next month, how how much stuff would be in your fridge? Not that much stuff. <laughs> I guess not. Yeah. Sorry, that got dark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Horrible night last night. Horrible. Couldn't sleep the whole night. I heard, I heard someone at the gate. I heard the I heard voices and somebody creeping around the house. I, it like freaked me out. Well, you know what? There's a lot of shit going on last night. <laughs> I had a little lady friend come over. You know, her girlfriend's waiting outside the car. The kids in the back seat, jumping around and shit. Seat. You know. And then I had the pizza guy come over. He came over. Okay, so so it was you. So you kept me up essentially. I'm gonna keep you up. Just normal shit that I do. I need some. I need some security in the house. You know, like a. I gotta hire like a Pinkerton guard or something. To... You don't need no Pinkerton guard. You know what? I tell you what. Let me handle the shit. You're, you're gonna you're gonna hire somebody. What are you gonna do? Who if I get? It's gonna be half the price of that Pinkerton motherfucker. I'm gonna take care of all the security shit you worried about. Okay? I'm gonna get you get you back to being Larry, sitting around here looking all frumpy and shit. He's being well, ropey no, ticket. Yeah. The only reason I'm wearing yeah. this bathrobe is because I left my pajama bottles, <laughs> you know, those red flannel pajamas. Right. I, I left them at the hotel. I can't leave a hotel room without leaving something behind. Never fails. Oh. Are you expecting somebody? I'm always expecting somebody. <laughs> if they show the fuck up, they show the fuck up. <laughs> See? That's what I said before. Yeah. It's such a great <laughs> model for life. He's all right. He's going to be all right. Oh, hey. He's alive. Oh. <laughs> hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm all right. How are you doing? Oh, God. I'm a mess. Yeah, it's so bad. Terrifying. Yeah, and the worst part is the musical's off. Are you kidding me? No. It was such a funny idea. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Uh, nice um, of you to come over, though, and uh, say hi. That's no, really sweet of no. you. Really appreciate no. it. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, actually, you know what? All right. <laughs> I'm full of shit. The truth is, I'm here to ask. I'm here to ask your permission if I could date Cheryl. Boom. <clears throat> wow. Wow? Yeah, you wow. come over here under these false pretenses <laughs> to, to go how, see how I'm doing, and, and, and you, you want to date... No! No, I know. No, I, if you're asking me, can you date Cheryl? I'd say no. Let, let, let just step yeah. back, just a second. I, this is a surprise to me too. We're friends. I didn't want to sneak around behind your back. I, I, I need to like just go with my impulses, and my impulse is I want to, I want to go out with your ex-wife. How would you like if I went out with Mary? Huh? Would I you like that? Stupid. <laughs> what does that mean? It means you're, you want to call my ex-wife Mary Steenburgen. Larry David wants to ask Mary Steenburgen out. Oh, oh, Larry David is not cool enough for Mary Steenburgen? I, I, huh? It just but seems Ted Danson is? Is that it? I didn't say that, but there's something in there. Oh, that we okay. Can... All right. You know what? Larry, I'll call Larry. I'm better right than now. How's him. That? How's that? Yeah. I'll yeah, call Mary. Not. Okay. Fine. Okay. You yeah. want me to? Do no. it. Okay. <laughs> but then can we get back to this real subject? <laughs> Mary? Hey, it's Larry David. Hi, Larry. Hey, how you doing? Good, good. Hey, Mayor. Um, let, let me ask you something. You know what's going on with the uh, Ted and Cheryl? 
Ted told me he was interested in seeing her, and I told him to go for it. Well, um, <clears throat> I was kind of wondering, <laughs> you know, if he's going to go out with her, why, uh, <laughs> why not you go out with me? <laughs> well, there. Oh, my gosh. Um, I just... God, I love you so much. I don't know if we have anything in common that that way, you know? Well, we're, you we're think? both people. We're earthlings. We breathe. We eat. So we have we have that in common. Yeah, we have that in common. Pretty much everybody. But <laughs> I was I, I was just meaning like you know. Uh, maybe you're just not my physical type. Sure. Sure, I understand. <laughs> Hope we can. Have lunch or go shopping or do something together. They did like going shopping together okay. in season one. Okay. Bye, Lair. What'd you say? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not really your type. Physically. <laughs> okay. Well, hey. Yeah. So you're going to go ahead with this? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You should know that she doesn't get close. <laughs> That's okay. Okay? Sex only in the dark. She's a yeah. little revolted by the penis. She'll, really? She won't look at it. She won't even touch it. Okay? Well, maybe that's changed. It won't oh. change. Okay. Good luck with the fuck. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for being so concerned about it. <laughs> I think Ted Danson's penis and Larry David's penis are in different penile categories. Um, yeah, I think uh, Ted Danson is his reaction to be like, all right, we'll see. We'll see about that. Yeah. Now you we just—I feel like we just watched half the episode. We got to like backtrack now. Yeah, we, there's there. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. I yeah. did uh, include a lot of that, but yeah, there was a lot packed in there. Important stuff. Yeah. So we, what do we start with? With with Larry talking to to Leon, um, Pinkerton Guard. By the way, like I, I I think the Pinkerton Agency like it still exists in 2022. But like when I hear that, I think of like 1871. <laughs> it's a very dated <laughs> oh, reference by Larry there. Yeah. Well, yeah. He loves these like very like old timey things. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned it at the top of the podcast, but like, I think Leon really exhibits such a great life philosophy here. I'm always expecting somebody, if they show the fuck up, they show the fuck up. Like, that's such a positive, <laughs> productive way to li- to lead life, I think. Such an um, optimist. Yeah. If, yeah. I mean, you you know, somehow Leon pulls this off. I think a lot of yes. people need more structure than that. Yes. Uh, fair. Uh, I mean, he, he is Kramer, basically. He falls axe backwards into money and sex and, you know. Yeah. And lives to tell about it. Hmm. Um, yeah. And then, you know, this whole Ted scene, it's which like, I think, it's by the way, is why, yeah. as, as we continue through more of the series, the Danny Duberstein scene is my favorite scene in the show. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because it's Leon with, with Kramer, basically. Um, yeah, that's fair. I mean, that's a good crossover right there. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you get a lot of that. You get the, you know, you get um, like Larry and George and you yeah. get Leon yeah. and Kramer. Um, I guess that's that's really it. But um, <laughs> you know, you don't get a lot of Julia with crossing over with Cheryl or anything. Yeah, <laughs> that would, I guess would be interesting. Would have been interesting. Um, so yeah. So uh, have I ever told you about this? Um, this guy that we went to high school with called me when Jen and I were on a break and asked about dating Jen. Okay. Oh man. <laughs> so. So he called that me guy. and he says he saw Jen and he inquired about her to Harold Rosengarn and Harold Rosengarn's like, she just broke up with Alex Chester after dating him for like five years. And he's like, well, should I call him? And Harold's like, you can do whatever you want. And so he called me 
And my attitude, honestly, was like, I'm like, I laughed and told him (laughs) go for it. Yeah. She would have eaten him alive. (laughs) Yeah. No, that guy is, uh, he's interesting. Yeah. Um, Um, yeah. And and then I called her actually. I said, I just got to warn you. I just gave some guy permission to ask you out. Yeah. You should have, you should have given him her fake numbers. No, I gave her the real number. I thought it'd be comical, if anything, ah, which is kind of mean, I, I guess. Anyway, yeah, yeah, you foisted him on her. Yeah, um, yeah. There, there's there's a lot of good stuff going on in that in that scene, that extended scene. Yeah. So the um, the Larry Ted dynamic has always been interesting because, yeah. like, this doesn't really make that much sense. Like, Ted doesn't shouldn't based on what we've seen in the show. Ted shouldn't really give a shit. Like, if Larry is mad at him. Well, he doesn't, but it's still the courtesy to ask. I think it's appropriate. I guess, but it's like, but like, I mean, but like, if, if you were to date Jen, if Jen and I broke up and you were to ask her out, I feel like the courtesy is to ask. Don't don't be like Funkhauser, who apparently went out with her several times behind. And by the way, why would Cheryl <laughs> say yes to Funkhauser? That's like Mary Steenburgen saying yes to Larry. I was I I was gonna get I, I was gonna get into that later. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll get it's like that. fine. It's like fine. One thing you want to date Ted Danson, you, you know, fine. Sure. We get it. <laughs> Marty fuck right. It's like have you given your wife a list of your friends that she is and isn't allowed to date if you guys break up? I keep it I, I keep in mind this isn't Bob Einstein. This is yeah. Marty Funkhauser, who's just like an unfamous version of uh Bob Einstein. Yeah, who like I don't know, he like owns an insurance company or something. Like whatever. Yeah, I mean he seems to be doing well financially. Nothing interesting, but yeah. Yeah, but whatever. He's like not interesting. Or, yeah, you know. I mean he tore that ass up, poor Nan. Had a nice marriage. <laughs> um Okay, so yeah, so yeah, I mean, it just the the scene would feel a lot more resonant if like we actually felt like these were like characters who were like close over the years, as opposed to like always kind of hated each other anyway. Yeah, but I mean, I'm like their relationship. I mean, it's not the same as Richard Lewis because there is deep love underlying that, obviously. But I think it's okay to have these relationships in the show where they you know, are just constantly antagonistic towards each other. I mean, and it's explicit. Like Marty says to Larry, you're my best friend. And Larry says, "What? The, why? <laughs> and that, you know, Larry has basically killed or insulted the dead body of uh, his father, his mother, his uncle. Um, now he's, he's injured his nephew. I mean, Larry has like, done horrible things to every member of his family. Yeah, he doesn't have a good track record with the Funkhouse or family. Yeah. Marty's a, Mar- Marty's a loyal man. And then you know, in, in the later season, he uh, he outed his real life brother at his own funeral for yes. being a COVID hoarder. So yeah, um, yeah, I, and I, yeah, I, I did very much enjoy his like, don't worry about that, as it pertains to the whole you know Cheryl the bedroom situation. I think Ted Danson will be yes. aside. Yes, there's there's the Larry rules and there's the Ted Danson rules. They're different rules. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so um, I also love when, like, when he leaves, he's like, All right, well, good luck with the fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay, well, so then that shows how Larry, really feels about Larry. Yeah, Larry heads over to uh, back home over to Alabas Chicken from uh, Palestinian Chicken episode. Our beloved Shara uh, is back. Yep, he, he needs a Muslim, <laughs> he's yes. go looking for a Muslim. Like, yes, he doesn't even like look into whether or not these are like the Muslims that like each other, the Muslims that hate each other, yeah. right? No, great fortune for Larry, the only Muslim he knows just happens to be a plotter with connections right. to the council of iran uh, by the way i hate to you know be annoying here but iran, iran and america don't have diplomatic relations they, they don't have consulates and embassies that they're exchanging since 1979 uh, yeah that's the so. whole point of like are the conflict we have with them at the moment so you know there's no council in la for larry to hang out with but anyway 
Yeah, maybe maybe it's kind of like a like a black market console. <laughs> you have to be a plotter to know. Now, when Shara identifies herself as a plotter, like like what does this mean? Like, does she have blood on her hands? Um, I don't think blood necessarily, but not also not not necessarily. Yeah, I mean, um, when she yeah, says she... I've plotted, I feel like Larry has to say like, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like I'd rather just not know. I I don't need to know basis for these things. Like, I don't know what I want to be like. Knowing what, what else you've been up to, like you're going to yeah. help me with this thing. Yeah. I mean, you could but, argue there's like, a moral reason to do so, but yeah, but but for self interest, no, yeah. yeah, Larry's only motivated by self interest. Yeah, fair. And I mean, in this case, his self interest is like not getting murdered, so like it's reasonable for him to like you, you know go to more extreme steps. Um, fair, unlike no. in like other situations where he yeah. go, he does things like this for like frivolous things, like I want to be able to return this shirt. Or something like that. Here, it's like he actually is, is in fear of having, you know, of being murdered if he doesn't, like, you know, get someone to intervene for him. So, yeah, I mean, I have uh, to be honest, though, like I when we had Anne Bidane on it was the first time that I became aware that like she was on a second episode. Like, I did not remember this at all. Uh-huh. And, but now I knew it was coming because she had mentioned it to us. But when it came, I didn't know where it was going. Like when they end up in bed again together. I had no <laughs> recollection of that, which is hard to believe. Like, I don't know how many times I've heard someone scream, Rudy, Rode Joe Leone <laughs> during <laughs> orgasm. But like, I somehow did not remember the scene, which is just mind boggling. Um, yeah, I think I knew because I think her, like her, uh, her Twitter profile, like it says, like, like ended up in bed with Larry David twice or something like mm. that. Mm. I think it's in her Twitter bio. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so. We first uh, we meet, we real, meet life, by the way, real life. Larry David has the Ted dance girls. <laughs> yeah, that could be. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I feel like still not quite the Ted dance rules because like Ted dance, has like a sufficient amount of money that like he's already like in the yeah. same class. Like, OK, it, there are many the, women who I mean, there are many more women who'd rather be with Ted dance. But like if you put a poll up, like which one would you rather? Larry's taking down a sizable percentage there, <laughs> especially yeah, of guess. like our demographic of women. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, Ted Danson is much better. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, 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 I would rather have sex with Ted Danson than Larry David. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so. Uh, what are your Ted Danson rules versus your Larry David rules? <laughs> um, I think they're all my rules are the same. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so she. Uh... <laughs> She tells Larry, you're a lot of trouble, but I really do like this disguise. It makes it look like you're less of a Jew. Hides mm. your fact, your Jew face. Yeah, um, it does. And... It makes him look like he's Bill Simmons, father. So, <laughs> yeah. And Larry goes on to say, you know, I have this whole situation. I don't really know too many Muslims. <laughs> uh, she's like, do you want me to help you? Yeah. yeah as you said, it turns out she knows people. Uh, imams, mufti, 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 mufti. <laughs> And so Larry and she Larry finds out that she could introduce a console of Iraq. And we're right. That's when she says that she's uh, a plotter. And he's like, you're you're on my side, right? <laughs> and we cut to. Fuck me, you godless fuck. You infidel fucking Jew. <laughs> I try and keep a kosher kitchen. Fatwa fucking yeah, bastard. Talk dirty to me, Larry. Blaspheme to me like you blaspheme to the <laughs> nation of Islam. Donald Trump. Uh, 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 Steve Bannon. Jared Kushner. Mike Pence. Uh, Kellyanne Conway. Mitch McConnell. Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So does Larry still think that she was trying to kill him? Um, he he certainly did that for a moment. Yeah. Uh, Why is he is screaming the names of Republicans? I'm a little confused. Because <laughs> uh, she likes to like she likes things that makes her angry. Yeah, but they make him angry also. Um, but listen, critics wanted like a Trump storyline last episode. Well, we got one. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was out. This this made people happy that he said he said the. <laughs> I don't know. I like he liked uh, that list was also like kind of like the Aria kill list, like Trump and Mike Pence and yeah. Giuliani. Like, yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. We we don't mean literally kill. Oh no! This is not a call to action. Yes. <laughs> Nobody should call anybody. Yes. Okay, so we're in Larry's living room now, and Larry's on the phone with a member of the consul's office, and he's telling him all about how Shara got to you know hook him up with this guy with the situation, and he says, you know, it's probably better for you not to come here under um, under the circumstances. Uh, but Larry uh, kind of understands. Um, so Leon comes in with a spot and they ask where the towels for the guest room are. And Larry's like, sorry, one second. I have to deal with these two nincompoots that just walked in. And again, like the consul goes on to say that, like, you know, it's probably best not to meet, uh, but maybe we'll set up a video call. Yeah. Um, and as they're speaking, Leon and Swat come back in. And again, they're like saying like the towels are too hard. They're complaining about the towels, yeah. which will come um, back in season 11. Yes, yes. Yeah, I did I, not remember I this. I totally at all. forgot about that. Yeah. Listen, Kerb is planting <laughs> seeds, baby. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like, yeah, um, Swat doesn't like the towels. Like, he doesn't like their, you know, they're too hard. Um, he wants something more velvety. He would drape himself in a velvet towel if it was socially acceptable. Yeah, that'd be a big towel. And yeah, Larry's like, no, you're completely wrong. A harder, coarser towel is better yeah. for drying. This, this, so this is actually uh, what Larry David really believes because he's brought it up several times over <laughs> multiple seasons. Yes, and obviously he's been told by 99% of people that he's yeah. an idiot because people he are did like manage to convince Jeff him, two seasons from now. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously you want a, you want a nice, soft, buttery, velvety towel. Yes, you don't want a hard yes. towel that's yes. going to hurt your skin. Like, what are you no insane? Sense. Yeah. It's better for drying. What does that even mean? Like, you, I get plenty dry. Maybe it takes a little bit longer. That's fair. But like, whatever. Who's who's in such a rush? I get perfectly dry from yes. a comfortable towel. Yes. Um. So um, he offers to uh, go shopping for him, and they're like, "Okay, while you're at it, here's a list of groceries." Um, but just keep in mind, SWAT can't have any stone fruit. And there's like he'll have like this huge reaction to it. He might even die. And like, but like he really loves stone fruit. So like we can't even have it in the house if he's gonna have any. So let, so Larry's like, oh, so I guess that means I can't have stone fruit now. And he's now, like, that's right. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, did you know what the hell stone fruit were? <laughs> I had not. I was not familiar with the term. Okay. Um, I I looked it up. Um, but obviously, we, it's a known thing. Yeah. Well, I guess you know it makes sense. It's like it's uh it's basically a fruit with a with a pit in it. Yeah, peaches, plums cherries nectarines cherries. apricots mangoes yeah. lychees but but why yeah. but why is the question 
because they all have a stone. No, but what's his issue with them? Oh, he, I think they're saying that he has some sort of like allergy or something. Is it, but is that a real thing that people are allergic to? I don't know. I feel like people are allergic to everything. But it just is that I don't know. Um, by the way, why is SWAT giving Larry his shopping list? Like, shouldn't he or Leon be doing the grocery shopping <laughs> with like with a fatwa on Larry? Um, by the way, in season yeah. eleven, we'll see Irma gives Leon the shopping list, so Leon's doing the shopping by then. Although you don't want Leon doing the shopping, he's bringing home a bunch of meat sticks. Yeah, we had this like when we um we like hired like a baby nurse through like a service like when our first baby was born mm-hmm. and like they showed up the first day and they're like oh here's my shopping list and we're like what's like why can't you just like eat what's in the house oh no i think that's fair it was like this like, ridiculous list it was like oh, i don't know I how did, like 40 list. things it was like it was like nothing that like we oh we already had was like acceptable oh. it was, like, i think it's fair when be, like, when someone's staying in your house like you ask them or they tell you like you know you know what their preferred food items are anyways but yeah, if they're very obscure, maybe that's different. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. But it is very like we had concerns about touching public food in the in the hot in the air in the in the hotel. Now we have the Zoom call. Like this episode has big post COVID vibes. Uh, yeah, that's true. I did write down. Except they called it a Skype call because this is the first Zoom call in Skype. history. Right. Isn't that weird? Uh, we all called it Skype. We all use I use Skype video Skype from since like 2004 or something for 15 years. And then COVID comes and this other company just comes out of nowhere. Oh, I'll take that business now. Yeah. I mean, I had used Zoom before. Um, I used Zoom a few obviously- times, but I'd used Skype many, many more times. I was yeah, a paid I subscriber. I, I paid money to Skype for like a decade and a half. Right. You also look right. Um, like travel internationally a lot more. Yeah, so like that was yeah, a, but, a big but, but Skype globally, thing. Skype was big and Zoom was like not big. Um, yeah, obviously, if whatever technology they had was better equipped to handle like that, I guess specific yeah. need at that time, right? Yeah, but I, I, I don't know. Yeah, but I pre COVID, I used Zoom fewer than 10 times, I had used it, but very few times. Um, yeah, now I would say 99% of my conference calls are all just Zooms, like nobody even uses phones anymore. Yeah. I mean, I prefer the phone over Zoom for work. Um, I prefer Zoom, actually, but you want to be dressed and like it, like not having kids in the background. I don't know. So much work. Oh, yeah. I mean, I wear whatever I'm wearing. No one really cares. Yeah. I mean, it, it depends on this. Like something if it's with a client or something, you'll want the video on. But or if it's lawyers on the other side, I have no idea. I have no interest in looking at you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hello, ah, Mr. Dancer. I'm sorry to report that I left a pair of pajama bottoms in my room, which was uh, 10.03. So just pajama bottoms. Fantastic pajamas, by the way. I don't doubt it. I mean, the best feature about them is that the flannel is thick, so they obfuscate the penis. So you can walk <laughs> around with other people in the house and you don't see any flopping. As opposed to the pair that I have now, my, my second pair, okay, a little thinner, you see the clear outline of the penis. Very unpleasant. I will check in the back, and I will be right with you. Thank you very much. Excuse me. Hey. Are you in charge of the, <laughs> the cookies? Um, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so you oversee the whole cookie operation? Uh, I don't bake them. But I... Well, they're not big. They're, they're bought in a store, but that's not... <laughs> yeah. Let me just ask you about the display here. Okay. Was this whole idea yours, the display, the tongs, the whole thing? 
Because I have to tell you, the tongue is not a friend of the cookie by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. You, you know? must be Mr. Dancer. Yes. He's yes. spoken about him. I am. Okay. <laughs> what I believe you should be thinking about is separating the cookies so people can use their fingers and not the tongs. No friend of the cookie. May I just demonstrate what I'm talking no, about? No, sir, no, just please don't. watch how easy this, this kind is. Of hotel policy. See, see how easy I picked that out? It was so simple. Mr. Dancer. I successfully was able to find your pajama bottoms, and I see that you are not using our tongs again. No, I was just merely demonstrating something I to her. I asked him to use the tongs. I know you did, Claudia. Thank you Thank very much. You. And by the way, you're not even in charge of the cookies. <laughs> Claudia is. I ask you to please follow our policy, and you're no longer a guest here, actually, so I'm just asking you to just respect uh, that. What? <laughs> what? Oh, my God. The tongs dropped on the floor? You put them back on the table? I wiped them. She wiped them. That's, that's like eating off the floor. It's the same thing. It's not at all the same. It is the same thing. You might as well put the floor on the table. Okay, you know what? This is a disgrace. You know, okay, you know what it's a disgrace yeah. that we're yeah. having this conversation? It is again. a disgrace. And here is what yeah. I'm going to say to you right now. Don't ever return to this hotel. I'm serious. Oh, yeah, like I want to return to a hotel that's serving pepper from cookies yeah. and trying to pass them off as a, as a, I have a pastry shop. Fine, if you do, I will call the police. Mr. Buck Dancer. Kenny. <laughs> if that is your real name. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like they needed her to try and wipe it a little more because it's just like they lose 100% of their credibility <laughs> when they try to defend. She picks the tongs off the ground, like barely wipes it against her dress, doesn't wash <laughs> it or anything, and then puts it back and they both defend that. Like they've lost <laughs> complete. It's, it's like too far almost. His reaction to it is so good. He's like, what? Yeah. What? Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Uh yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. Um yeah, every I basically you can do basically anything in that. Uh this guy is not gonna find it funny, I think. Every time when he's filming the Martin Scorsese movie, every time he has a disguise, I like it. When George <laughs> has the piece in Seinfeld, big fan of that also. Yeah. 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 It's always yeah. funny. When Jerry and when Jerry and George uh debuted the mustaches at the top of season, what is it, seven? Also fantastic. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Any change in hair for ourselves. I always like it. Yeah. I'm a fan. Yeah. All right. All right. So we say uh, hair at the top of this season. We both liked it last week. Yeah. Yeah. So we head over to the Funkhauser's uh, residence and uh, Funkman is still blaming Larry for putting his uh, nephew star pitcher in the cast yeah. over the cookie jar of pickles. And um, Larry's like, listen, we all tried to be the pickle jar heroes. We're all equally responsible, which I completely agree with. They were all acting like maniacs. Um, and Funkhauser explains that Kenny broke his elbow and he's now just filled with angst. And the only way he knows to relieve himself of this angst is by masturbating, which he can't do because he's in a cast in his right hand and the kid can't go lefty. Yeah. Why is Funk? Okay. Question. I got a two part question here. Why is Funkhauser talking to Larry about his nephew's masturbatory preferences? And then the question well, before that like, question is all Larry's is, fault. Is why would Funk even know them? Like Kenny said, <laughs> "Hey, Uncle Marty, I'm having trouble jerking off with my offhand." Yes, I mean it, it is all completely insane. Um, which you know, there, there was one point when I was I, I wanted to take a step back while I was watching this episode and just like reflect on the fact that like. There was a show on TV where there was an episode where like the, the, the prime crux of it revolves around a nephew not being able to go left to masturbate, being like the driving plot of the episode. Yeah. And this is something that we all saw on television. It's, by uh, the way, it's completely uh, Marty and Larry both claim nobody can go left. Like, I wouldn't have to disagree there. Like, obviously, people are more skilled one direction or the other. But like to have a complete inability, you know, that's just, uh, you know, 
Kenny, Larry, yeah. and Marty, just bad job by all of you. Yeah, I mean, you could get the job done if you need to get the job yeah, done. Yeah, if you need to get the job done, you can get the job done. Uh, I might have to edit this out also, but did I, did I tell you the story about this girl who, again, I think we both know who my parents wanted to set me up with? And she like hired like PIs to like trail her other boyfriends, I heard, allegedly. Anyways, she like prints out my Facebook page. This is like how insane this is. She prints out my Facebook page. This is in 2004 or whatever, five, annotates it, sends it to her aunt, Okay. Her aunt takes my Facebook page, the annotated marked up version from her niece, brings it to my parents. And my parents, upon delivery of this item, their response is not, what the fuck is wrong with you and your niece? They yell at me about the contents of my Facebook page. <laughs> and there was two that's, that's, per- there was two particular Sounds like things. your parents were always on, on, the, on that side of things. Yeah, there was two things that they were particularly incensed about my father. The, uh, number one was that among my <laughs> hobbies, I said balling, which referenced which was a reference to basketball because like that's what we called it but my dad accused me was some sick sexual depravity <laughs> and then the other one was that for political views it said liberal which my dad said was offensive even though my father has never in his life of 50 years of voting voted for a republican <laughs> and like donates money to democrats so it, why he found that offensive i have no i mean she found it offensive because she's very right wing but yeah so that's kind of what i i thought about like here like why does Funkhauser even know this information? And why is he passing this information on? Like, if somebody was crazy enough to tell you, if was crazy enough to tell her uncle, her aunt, uh, here's this guy's Facebook page. Like, why is the aunt telling her friend? It's insane. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Funk, you know, Funkhauser's like, you know, he kind of understands the whole you can't go left. You know, it's not the same. You need rotation. You need so tempo. Larry. You need feel. They agree. Yeah, they all agree. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not the same, but you, you get the job done. Yeah. Are you trying to like win a trophy or are you trying to like re- reach a <laughs> Right. <for> it? <laughs> right. It doesn't have to be the best. Yeah. So, yeah, fuck how just like, you know, Ken, if Kenny's just like lost all will, he doesn't care about Stanford or the SATs anymore. And Larry's like, you know, I did just meet a woman. He might really be able to help. And Funkhauser's like, oh, what does she do? And Larry's <laughs> like, she's a prostitute. <laughs> Obviously, like well, what, yeah. did, what did he think was the answer there? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe like massage. I don't know. Who knows? You know, your, your brain doesn't always go straight to prostitutes. Yeah. Um, Marty uh, has seen Larry with Monina before at the Dodgers. Right. Game. Yeah. Now he's going to just think that Larry just always is cavorting around with prostitutes. Yeah. yeah whatever. Teach his own. So we're uh, right outside the hotel and Larry's giving Leon uh, the instructions uh, that he's going to go in. And he's going to try to open a pickle jar and create a diversion for Larry to sneak into the hotel. Um, all of this has to happen just so he can have this meeting with the prostitute to convince her. To, there's no other prostitute in the world. Yeah. That, <laughs> and also, he just, why does he think the prostitute's even going to be there at this time? Um, yeah. I mean, he I guess he does, you know, her hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe well, listen, he found we know there's usual, only one uh, hotel in LA. So there's only one place to get a prostitute. <laughs> there's only one. There's only one prostitute. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so he says we're gonna call it the pickle gambits. And Leon asks he wants to have like a, a code name for the operation, and Larry suggests Gandal, who was uh on the 1919 Black Sox. Uh Leon doesn't like that name, asks for another name, and Larry says, How about a uh Negro Leagues player? To which uh Leon gives the thumbs up and he names him Chappy Johnson. And Leon approves of this name. Yeah. And he says he said this is a proper black man name. He walks yeah. in the hotel with the pickle jar. Hmm. 
Um, so Leon goes on in. He's like, hey, everybody, I have this pickle jar and I can't open it. Can someone help me? And my name is Chappie Johnson. <laughs> and my, name is, my name is Chappie Johnson and I have a pickle jar. Yeah. As um, one does. Yeah. So everyone around him is like, oh, my God, I need to be the one to open the pickle jar. No, I need to be the one to open the pickle jar. Um, and even the hotel manager, the receptionist, whatever his job is, the dean, he comes running in to get involved, to try to open the pickle jar. And everyone's so focused on trying to open the jar that Larry's able to sneak in unnoticed and he makes his way all the way to the bar and he goes up and, oh, my God, it's her. Um, he barely even recognized her because of how nicely she's dressed. And Larry can't believe the transformation. And, Larry, you know, she does the whole swirl and she's so beautiful. And she tells him that her life has changed, that, you know, men just, you know, are looking differently at her now. They treat her great. They're, you know, you know, paying her more, treating her well. Um, this has just been great for business. And she la- she thanks Larry and wonders if there's any way that she can repay him for his suggestions. And mm. he says, no, you know, I'm really just have- happy to have, like, you know, made this positive uh, change in your life and to done a her mitzvah. Um, I think he says, and- just knowing that you're having indiscriminate sex with many strange men. Yeah. Um, he then goes on to say, can you do me a favor? So I don't know why he's like separating these two things. Like he could have been like, actually, now that you mentioned it, there is something you could do for me. Yeah. Uh, and he, you know, explains the whole situation with Kenny and she agrees right on the spot. Just tell me when and where. Of course. And we see Ted and Cheryl suddenly walk. By the way, the I think that's called the whore mitzvah. A whore mitzvah. Yeah. Um, and Larry um, starts following them. And he sees them laughing and they're having a good time. And he he but he sees them going off. He wants to follow them, but he sees that the pickle jar thing is still going on, and he can't help himself either. Yeah, he comes this is mind-boggling to me. So <laughs> he starts following Cheryl and Ted. By the way, we know there's only one hotel in LA, but why are Cheryl and Ted at a hotel at all? Like they each have houses that they could fucking. Uh, uh, well, you know, I guess it's a date night. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, so Larry. I thought that he was trying to create another diversion to like t- to draw Ted over or something. And then I see he himself falls for his own pickle gambit. <laughs> it, the very pickle gambit. Yeah, it makes no it makes no sense. It just like it, it makes absolutely he no falls sense. victim to his own ruse. Yes. It's it's completely incomprehensible. I don't understand why Larry does that, but it's like it's like one of those great paradoxes. Can the pickle gambit creator make a pickle gambit so enticing <laughs> that even he cannot resist? Ah, so it's a theological uh, question that Larry's. Yeah, it for. is. It is. Yeah. Uh, good point. Correct. Excellent job. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, this this episode is really you know raising its game in terms of uh, probing at these deep questions of the universe. <laughs> Um, so yeah, he goes pickle jar and, um, the Dean spots him, he says, yells out Mr. Dancer and they grab it from him and they pop it open. Isn't the point, and, isn't the point of like the pickle, like of everybody wants to be the pickle King, like that you are going to draw the attention. It's not like, Oh no, he's going to see me. Like the intent was to draw him over here. And now I'm coming over here to be the cert. Like it, it makes, it's completely incomprehensible. Um, so yeah so this time Larry's caught and the security kicks him out and you know he's trying to bargain with them but he's uh, dragged out of the hotel Mm. so 
We're out on the street. Larry's driving. It stops at a street crossing where he notices Mary is walking with somebody, and he can't help but notice that the person she's with is a, is walking in the spitting image of Larry David. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, he's just like, oh my god, unbelievable! Not not her physical type. Yes, we never find out who uh, the man is. He just looks uh, exactly he, like Larry. Yeah, uh, I looked him up on uh, IMDb. Sli- slightly like, Tanner. He, He's not much. Yeah, he's not. Uh, he doesn't have much of a track record mm. outside this one scene. Yeah, Larry David impersonation are uh, not going so well. Yeah, so back at Larry's house now, and uh, Kenny and Larry's hooker are upstairs, about to get uh, Kenny into the room. Uh, Kenny likes her dress, and she assures Kenny she'll be gentle with him and tells him to start getting undressed. And Larry explains to Funkhauser how he saw with Mary with someone who looked exactly like him. And tells him that now Ted's going out with Cheryl. And Funkhauser's like, oh, man, that's a bad job by Ted. You know, the best way to go about situations like this is to just go behind the person's back. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I'll have you know that I actually uh, went behind your back and called Cheryl a couple times. Uh, mm-hmm. We even went for a walk. We went a couple movies and a dinner. Um, and Larry actually respects the play. He's like, yeah, you know what? That was the right way to do it. Uh, suddenly they hear sounds of pleasure coming from Kenny's room. Uh, all it seems like everything is going well. And Larry leaves to go have his Zoom call with the console. And uh, Funkman decides he doesn't want to be the only one standing there listening to his nephew um, having sex with a prostitute. And so he leaves as well. And Larry starts his call with the console. And they're impressed that the power, you know, this is amazing that we can see each other across the world. And Larry asks um, what a console really does. And he says, well, you know, if you were to decide to visit Iran, you would go through me and uh, I would make it happen. Larry's like, well, I assure you, I'm not going to be coming to Iran for quite some time. Yeah. And uh, that's reasonable. Yeah. So um, a butler brings in a a plate of cookies and Mr. Khan picks one up from the plate. And Larry says, let me ask you, um, is that a tongue? And he says, yes, we invented tongues. False. You didn't invent tongues. Hashem invented tongues before, right before the universe was created. Yes. Nice try, Consul Khan. Mm-hmm. Um, so and- is that why Larry is so sure that it could not have been uh, Iran? <laughs> well, it's, it's more that he doesn't think that they're the inventing type of country. Um, so Mr. Khan's like, okay, now that you've insulted my country, uh, can you get on with your agenda? And Larry asks Mr. Khan if he will intervene in the situation with the Ayatollah. And Mr. Khan says, as luck would have it, I'm exactly the right person that you've come across because I'm an avid watcher of Seinfeld. I really love the show. Um, and Larry asks him what his favorite episodes are. And he tells him it was the puffy shirt. Um, yeah, you're right. So his favorite is the puffy shirt. Um, and the close talk are the, because, oh, because the Ayatollah is the, is himself as a huge fan of the close. Is it that the Ayatollah is a fan of the close talker? Or the Ayatollah is a close talker. Well, the Ayatollah is a close talker. Got it. Yeah, he's a bit of a close talker. Okay, because so that's why Larry that... says that he doesn't think he has the best of breaths, and, and then he suddenly so gets very know... nervous. So we don't know if the Ayatollah watches Seinfeld. Yeah. Got like okay. my my problem is not like that. His episode is his favorite episode is the Puffy Shirt. It's that he says, "Isn't everyone's favorite episode the Puffy Shirt?" <laughs> And like that, like the presumption there, like Iran has been responsible for many reprehensible acts and like foreign policy and terrorism in the last 40 years. But like calling the puffy shirt the best episode of Seinfeld might be the worst. <laughs> or not, again, like just assuming like, oh, everybody, everybody thinks this is the best episode. What are you talking about, Council? 
I don't know if he made this conclusion in his official capacity as the consul of Iran. So okay, we don't need to we don't need to hold the whole country responsible. Yeah, okay, for this reprehensible act. We could uh, oh yeah. My one other issue with this scene is like, I feel like we know where like from the moment earlier in the episode that the guy mentioned a video conference call, we knew exactly what was going to (laughs) happen. Um, like Larry lives well, in a mansion, yet he doesn't have a private office anywhere. He has to like do this video in the public part of his house, like right. you know. Also, yeah. Why was Kenny having sex with Paula at at Marty's at at, Leon's, at Larry's house? Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, because I guess it was Larry. Larry set up the brought the prostitute, so like, but just send her to send her to Marty's house. Yeah, I mean, maybe don't send her to Kenny's house because Kenny's parents might be like, oh, why is a prostitute here? But Kenny, apparently, uh, excuse me, Marty is very in support of this. He's very in support. Yeah, he's yeah. he's making the whole thing. He's, he's standing guard at the door. So, yeah. So as they're talking, Kenny and the hookers fun is leading to a lot of noise, causing SWAT to barge in and into the room to help out. Um, I guess thinking that a fought was happening again. And he well, I think SWAT's job he- is just to interrupt any coitus taking place in the house. <laughs> and so it seems that seems to be what he's Which, doing. he must be very busy with Leon because isn't Leon con- or maybe Leon's <laughs> exception. If anyone other than me uh, has sex in this house, you put a stop to it. Yeah. So as they're running down the stairs, the console notices the commotion in the background and suddenly Leon shouts out just to get rid of the Muslims, <laughs> uh, which obviously the console is not pleased with. And he shuts it. He closes off his Zoom call and Larry screams, oh, no, Mr. Console. And the episode comes to an end. Yeah, I do think that cartoonish tableau of Kenny running out, chased by Paula, chased by SWAT, chased by Leon. It's absolutely delightful. I'm shocked it's not like, forget about like a gif. I'm shocked it's not like an oil painting. Yeah, it could be. It certainly could be. Yeah. Um, Let's jump to the rating. Honestly, this episode made no sense for many reasons we discussed, but I was laughing throughout. So I say score another one for season nine. I say this episode was pretty, pretty, pretty good. This is a solid, like, you know, solid average, which I mean, in a positive way, because I love this show, like average episode of Curb. It's, it's great. It's great. Three. Okay. So I'm, I'm pretty much right on board with you in both in uh score and in analysis. Um, and like even more so now just going through it is just like how ridiculous, just like the central premise, this whole pickle gambit thing is so silly. Um, you know, the whole situation with like get, uh, getting a hooker. It's like, wh- like, how is this the plot of the episode? Um, but yeah, it's, it's like highly entertaining throughout. Like it, as you said, like at the top, it's like just getting Larry and, Re- and Leon in a room together doing whatever. Um, I'm going to be cracking up. So, um, it's, you know, it's a flawed episode, but I think above average. And I will say it is pretty, 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 pretty good. Three and a half, uh, pretty out of five. So just uh, a little chat ahead of you. Mm. Okay, yeah, so we're pretty much in the same place. Oh, come on, be a come with guy. Uh, let's go to the come with guy next, I guess. I, I don't know. I, I love, I love, I love, pa- I love Paula. Leon's throwing ninety-five again. I-, I love Shara. We only get two scenes of Shara, but like, it's enough. She's so good. Like, you know, the scene in bed is just incredible. Maybe I'm like holding Leon to like this impossibly high standard because like he won last week with like a perfect game and it's like voter fatigue to give it to him two in a row. So if you want to criticize me for that, I'll, I'll accept it. But um, I'm going to give it to Shara. Just perfect. No, that's that's uh, certainly fine. Um, I'm going to go in a different direction. So you didn't even mention. I'm going to go with uh, Mr. Ted Danson. Um, 
don't usually uh, go in his direction, but uh, here he, um, you know, tries to do the right thing, comes away with the girl, specifically like gets Larry to like fall into this trap of, of realize how much better uh, Ted is than him and how much cooler he is. Um, and he uh, walks away with the girl at the end. So um, come with Guy. Okay. You're a fucking asshole. That's what you are. Who is your fucking asshole then? Uh, fucking asshole is the dean. Gotta be the dean. Uh, just, you know, accosting hotel guests for, you know, very minor infractions, uh, setting commotion, this whole chaos. Um, just, you know, a little customer service, a little grace, all, all, a bunch of needless frustration could have been avoided. Hmm. Yeah, he's an asshole. Ted Danson tries to take his wife's friend. SWAT is a cock block multiple times. To me, the fucking asshole is Kenny Funkhauser. First of all, he's a show off. He's a bragger. <laughs> I don't like that. The way that he presumptuously asks for meat, I don't like that at all. He grabs the pickle jar, which his uncle then blames on Larry. I don't like that at all. He's rude to the housekeeper. Like, he doesn't deserve a classly dressed gal like Paula. And by the way, she doesn't get to you know, finish him off. And I'm glad for that because he's an asshole. And he's the biggest asshole of the episode to me. Well, suck it, Funkhauser. Yeah. <laughs> Would you stop with the Ted dance? Who's he? He's somebody. What about me? You're nobody. Why him? Why not me? He's good. You're not. I'm better than him. You're worse. Much, much worse. Yeah, we don't really have any uh, cameos in this episode. You know, Jim Rash, of course, is the name of uh, the dean. He has a famous okay. face. He's not a famous name. I mean, he's won an Oscar for God's sake, but like, I don't think he really counts as like a celebrity. I think what for like for like writing, right? Like he wrote something. Yeah, for the um, that movie um, where George Clooney's in Hawaii. What's his, what's that called again? The Descendants with Julianne Moore. The Descendants. Yeah, I think he like wrote that movie or co-wrote it or something. Oh, cool. Yeah, cool. And he won screenplay. I, this is my memory. If I'm wrong, someone many people can tell me. No, that sounds that sounds believable. All right, cool. All right, is it time for the jump to the postman? Let's jump to the postman. Postman! Postman! Come here! here Tell the neighborhood! What a shonda, Larry! Uh, uh, Larry uh, David! Not only are you a lousy Jew, but you're a lousy human being! He screws the wife of a man in a wheelchair! A shonda! Maybe you should have given me some candy! You're a lousy Jew! First off this week, we have John Gormley, who says, here we go. This was the first episode of Curb I saw after the hiatus. The reason being episodes two, three, and four leaked alongside various other HBO shows prior to the season premiere. The moment I discovered that, 2 a.m. one night, I pumped out of bed, tracked them down, and watched them instantly. Uh, John Gormley committing to crimes. Um, admitting to crimes on the podcast. Good for him. <laughs> um, at first, I couldn't believe I was watching Curb and really couldn't believe it. This is all protected by attorney-client privilege. Of course. Yes. Lawyers, so you're good. You're fine. Yes. And everyone um, listening about well, Obviously. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. The whole. Yeah. And if you know someone who listens, you're good. You're coming. <laughs> um, this is very bad legal advice. You shouldn't listen to it. Um, at first, I couldn't believe I was watching Curb and really couldn't believe it was actually Curb. It's got the curb cast, it's got the curb music, and it's doing curb shtick, but it felt so different all at the same time. I was incredibly underwhelmed by the episode after watching it. However, I did enjoy it the most out of the three leaked episodes we got at the time. The problem I had with the apps on season nine in general, it seems too formulaic, as if they're imitating curb rather than making curb. Take the pickle jar opening scene, for example. Every beat and line of that scene just feels unnatural. One second, Larry is mocking them all wanting to open the jar. The next second, he instantly wants to open it himself. Mm-hmm. This does not set up a good gag. This does set up a good gag in the hotel later when Leah uses the pickle jar as a distraction for Larry. 
to sneak in, but it's then followed the most idiotic point of the episode. Larry returning to the group huddle and saved the day by opening the jar, a lose-lose outcome. He's getting caught by the Matron D and losing track of Ted and Cheryl. Why the hell did he do this? <laughs> if they were still struggling to open the pickle jar, that should be a good thing and is buying him more time. I do think starting the Ted and Cheryl relationship was a good idea, something the show has always been hinting towards. Bit weird, however, with Ted box Larry for wanting to date Mary, but yet he knows Larry used to be married to Cheryl, so it's Ted implying he is now pitching down by dating Cheryl if he knows she's on Larry's level, but apparently Mary isn't. Um, I mean, you could certainly um, infer that, but I don't think you just like. But it well, I, it's it's that Cheryl. Cheryl wouldn't date Larry post Ted, but she might date him pre Ted. Um, yeah, I guess that could be a component of also. Yeah, I, I don't think it's an indictment of Cheryl. Cheryl's great. Don't worry about it. I mean, yeah. you, know, you know, she's not great to be married necessarily to, but like she, her and Ted are, you know, a lovely couple. Hmm. So the fight was sex bit was Billy with Larry screaming all the Washington crooks names before the season aired. Someone wrote on a Facebook group saying, man, I hope they don't do many political jokes this season. I want to escape from all that now. Understandable as it was 2017, I encourage the reply for what I've seen. It is only one minor political joke, which I don't want to spoil. And it's very funny. Overall, I enjoyed this episode on the rewatch the bar, the few plot holes come with guy has to be Funkhauser. Cherish every moment he's on the screen this season. Fuck the asshole ghost. Little Funk. Hope he dies soon. Scoring it a pretty, <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, he's an ass. High regards, John. <laughs> uh, next up is Joshua Spitz, who says, hello, gentlemen. So far, this rewatch of season nine has proven to be much more favorable than I originally remember. Okay, yeah, cosine. Great. We yeah, so far so good. We get some great funk house moments. Rest in peace, big funk and some great Leon stuff as well. We may even get a little Shara moment, which is a fun callback. Come with gal is Paula the hooker. Fuck the asshole is Ted Danson. Rating is three and a half pretties out of five. I've, I've just thought of something yeah. as I interrupt this email. Um, yeah. a, a pretty, pretty, pretty good podcast challenge, which I'm going to challenge you and also any listeners. Um, yeah. The next time you are engaged in uh, lovemaking relations with uh, whoever <laughs> you engage in that activity with, as uh, you re- as you reach the moment of uh, of peak climax, I want you to scream out "Rode Jolie," <laughs> and report back. Um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna pass on that. No, that's um, a chat. Why? I don't have to do something just because you challenged me. I'm not six. <laughs> oh, because you dare me? Well, you, you didn't even yeah, double dare me. You. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, but every, anyone who wants to should feel free to do. What's so. the what's the worst yeah. that could happen? You'll just tell the person why afterwards. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm good. You've I'm you've good. already you've already achieved the goal at that point, right? Like, <laughs> what are they going to deprive you of? I guess a, a, a second opportunity in the near future. All right. Well, while while we're on the subject, we go to our next email from Jim Crumbly, who says the pickle gambit didn't work for me. It landed flat. One and a half pretties. Ooh, come with. Come with guy is Bianca Kalish. Wait, what she was this? What Larry's... was the segue to uh, Jim's email? Oh, there was no segue. I was oh. <laughs> okay, that's fair. She takes Larry's dubious advice and makes it work with with make it work. Plus, she deals with SWAT, not knowing what is going on. Fucking asshole is Ted Danson. Don't ask Larry permission to woo his ex unless you are going to be willing to forego the option if he says no. That's true. Yeah, you shouldn't. You like don't ask. I mean, this to me clearly is the situation is like they were already together. Like this wasn't actually permission. This is like permission after the fact. 
Because like yeah. they're like already like very like touchy in that scene to be like this is like they, you know they just started dating. Today. I'm not so sure. Again, it's Ted Hansen. Ted Hansen dates you. Oh, that's how you're reacting on the first day. I don't know. I I I my read is like this has already been going on, and now he's just like he wants well, they had to get permission it, before you know. So it might have been like in Billions when Axe finally gets together with um, uh, what's her name? The, the, the main female character on the show. Yeah, I don't I don't remember her name. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. But yeah. yeah, it had been like discussed a lot. So by the time it finally happens, they're like immediately very close because they were waiting for permission from Larry or whatever. Um, guess I don't think so. I think they're already together. Okay, but I have no way of proving that. So we can move on. Yeah. Um, okay. William Blake says, Dear Alex and Av, my name is Will and I've plotted before. Come with guy is the fuck man. Honestly, it's just good no, to wait, see hold the on. fuck man. We can't man make the same mistake as Larry. Will, I need to know what does that mean? What have you plotted? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, well, right next week. I, will, I will rat Will out to the FBI if I must. <laughs> <laughs> fucking asshole is Ted Danson. Wow, everyone has my come with guys. They're fucking asshole mm. this week. Asking Larry's permission to date his ex-wife was very weird and uncalled for. They divorced a while ago when Ted hasn't showed a particular need to hide his feelings about Cheryl before. Three and a half, five, three, and a half, three out of five pretties. The Pickle Gambit was a disappointing episode, especially the end. It was too blatantly self-referential. The Funk Band brings this to a three. Zach Brooks says, Larry's tongs issue makes me wish we got more COVID humor in the last season. He would have had so many issues with hygiene theater. Um, yeah, that's true. Like everyone kind of always put it as like Larry David is like, you know, very um, clean and like, you know, he'll be having a virgin to all that stuff. And like, that's the angle. But um, I think like Larry on COVID theater would would be really interesting. Like just like the, the crazy things that people some people do um, that obviously is not helping you from a invisible virus. Uh, but too bad, uh, you know, or maybe COVID will still be going strong by the time the next season airs. So, so you know, something to look forward to. Yes, yeah. uh, Leon says he always prefers brown to white. Do you think Leon prefers brown rice to white rice too? Um, yeah, that's that's a rough call. I mean, white rice is a lot better than brown rice. Well, t- like I always get brown rice because it's healthier. But yes, yeah, but, but of course it tastes less good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty funny episode where everything comes together. He gives it three and a half pretties. Come with guy is the Larry doppelganger because he cracks me up. Uh, the fucking asshole, the fucking asshole is Leon's security guard for his cock blocking nature. And finally, we go to Owen Allen, who says, looking forward to the Vulture review for this episode. It must be a top episode for them, given how in depth it addresses the Trump administration. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is obviously the point of career to Yes. Um, Larry was probably watching the most depressing Harry Grant and I read Dunn film. Uh, which suited his move. I was trying to figure out what that was. I um, I googled some of the lines, but I couldn't figure out what movie. Penny Serenade, wow. which I give four pretties to. Mm. Also, he had the tidiest, neatest room in the opening where it was supposed to be stinking to represent his depraved mind. Bit of a slow burner for the most part. Great to get Shara back. Funkman is a delight, but only warming up himself. And I absolutely love the ending, which will boost the rating, but only two, three pretties out of five. Come with Gal is Shara setting up the Mufti, not putting in a bad word after being thrown out and offering hot intercourse to someone she's under order to kill. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the like the the lines of uh, power there are because Shara as a Palestinian woman is not necessarily under the order of the Ayatollah of, of Iran, right? I mean, it's volitional, I think, right? She, she she's opting in if if she is. Oh, she's opting she's opting into uh, what is it? Uh, Shiites? Shiites? No, she's just opting in to fulfill the, the fatwa. Oh, okay. Yeah. So all all, all Muslims are eligible. All people. I mean, I can do it also. What do you mean? If I say, you know what? Yeah, I, I fuck Larry David. I want to kill him. I'm opting into the fat wall. Oh, so. Yeah. so you get do you, and you get credit. Yeah, I mean, I, I at least according according to the Ayatollah, I'm a pretty good Muslim. Then I'm not sure if you know the rest of Islam would agree with me, but you know, I got that right. in my pocket. Yeah, he's a pretty good guy to have. Okay, you just need one rabbi on your side. <laughs> he says uh, the fucking asshole is the over officious hotel day manager. Leaving calls open a pickle jar, happy with dropped hogs, being wiped off hotel uniforms, and just being so disdainful to a good guest. All right, so we're uh, Owen and I on the same page for the fucking asshole this week. P.S. I can go lefty. Very good, Owen. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know how official any of these rankings really are. So that gives us an audience score of. 2.75, which is, is this very low? Yeah, I'm not hiring that audience is, very frequently. Yeah. So 2.75, according to this, unless I did this wrong, that says that's the 80 seconds ranked. So that would be the lowest episode from the audience? No, we have 93 episodes. Oh, okay. Right. My numbers are all messed up. Right, right. Okay. It's 80, right. Okay, so then, yeah, so we're going to bump it up a little bit because you gave it a three. I gave it a three and a half. Uh, that knocks off its overall score over the uh, Mason-Dixon line, the 3.08, which is the uh, 57th ranked episode overall. So um, audience had it as like a bottom 10 episode. We make it um, not quite top half, but, you know, that's a lower meaty part of the curve. Mm, yeah. Okay, um, but overall, Two episodes in, season nine, doing much better than we were led to believe. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the way you and I have seen it. That's for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, we're you. Um, I'm averaging a four. You're averaging a three and a half. You know, that's a solid start to the season. Uh, we'll see if this continues. That would be something if we end up like becoming like season nine truthers. Yeah, well, we've had a couple of listeners tell us that. So we'll have to we're, we have open minds. Yeah, absolutely. I would love yeah. to love season nine. That'd be great. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Don't you hate to be continued on TV? I mean, the whole reason you watch a TV show is because it ends. If I wanted a long, boring story with no point to it, I have my life. Uh, next week, as we continue along season nine with episode three, a disturbance in the kitchen. Larry will turn to a fellow writer for advice. And while helping Susie find her little sister, he is ticketed by an overzealous police officer. And from that bio, from that one sentence, I remember like one thing. So I'm very excited because I have no idea what's happening next week. Yeah, uh, pretty much the same. Yep. All right, Abraham. Um, how are we wrapping this one up? I don't know. Figure something out. Um, I believe that like the day after this episode is being posted, or well, maybe three or four days, actually, you and I might be meeting each other in real life or meeting, meeting up with each other in real life, I should say. Oh, yeah, I did hear that. Um, yeah, we're both going to be in Florida. Um, and I would say whether we are moving lock, or stock and barrel, we're going to be in some <laughs> bar. We're going to be watching football. We're going to be all over that beer tap. All over that shuffleboard cart. Yeah. So, and yeah, I think be- uh, yeah, Florida is going to be. Pretty, pretty.